Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And neither one of you are obeying me. That's why your marriage is a mess. But if one person will submit to do it God's way, and I should say this because I know people that have submitted to do it God's way for a week. You know, I did that for a week and he's still the same, you know, or I did that for a week and she still didn't do her part or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. It's not for results. It's for worship, right? It's not, I can't obey God so my wife will. I got to obey God because Jesus is Lord of my life. Now, I hope that she will eventually, but I'm doing it because God said do it. If all you hear in today's message is that treating your spouse like the Bible tells you to will result in a better marriage, you've missed a mark. As Pastor Bill shares, submission is a lifelong commitment. When done with a thankful heart, blessings will follow. Don't have the attitude of, okay, I tried for one week. If I don't see results, then it's not worth the effort. If you are part of the reason your marriage is messed up, submit to the Lord and make positive changes because you love the Lord. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Marriage and the Family. Wherever I go, it's I have to be mindful. What is she like from here? This is what she likes. There are places that there are things I don't like that she likes. Right. I don't like I'm not a slushy guy. When it's hot, my wife likes slushies, red slushies. But she don't like red slushies from 7-Eleven. She like red slushies from the Chevron station because it's got the icy chips in it or whatever. So if I want to be a blessing on a hot day, I go buy the Chevron and get the, the red slushy with the icy stuff in it. I, I'm the man when I walk in. Huh? I bet trip was all about you. I ain't got nothing for me there. Just all about you, you know? Now I stop and get me stuff I like. My God said, love her like you love yourself. And so husbands, I encourage you, be thoughtful about your wife. Pay attention to her needs and desires and everything else. This will bless your marriage. It says at the end of the verse, it now I don't think it's the only motive, but it says he who loves his wife loves himself. Right? The condition your wife is going to be in when you love her like this, this is, he said it's pretty much like loving yourself. You'll enjoy her a lot more in that condition. When she just feels like, man, this guy just loves me, he cares for me, he just thinks about me all the time. She's going to be in a better place. She's going to be a happier wife, probably be a lot more pleasant. Not that she's not already pleasant, but that, that, I just think if everybody's happy in this scenario here. And God says, don't you want to be happy at home? Some of us work so hard at we fight so much for what we want for ourselves, and God's trying to teach us if you just die to yourself a little bit and think about them, y'all could both be happy. Because when you're ministering to her and she's ministered to, then you you know everybody's everybody's happy. God wants us to have happy homes. Y'all know that. And so if you got a contentious fighting, I will talk about that next week. I don't have time to really get into it today, but if you have that right, if your house is contentious, y'all fighting and going back and forth. We'll deal with that next week. But just know that that's not what the Lord wants. It's not even what you want, but you keep doing it. And so hopefully we can fix that for some of us, that that we wouldn't be at home contending with those that God has called us to be loving towards. Moving on. So husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And so there he says, no one ever hated his own flesh. God says, y'all love it. You nourish it. You cherish it. You take all kind of good care of it, just like the Lord does the church. And notice that all these things that we do for our flesh, God says, I do that for the church. I, I nourish it and I cherish it. Husbands, do you nourish and cherish your wife? Does she feel cherished? Does she feel like that she is valuable and special to you? 
she is cherished in your eyes, in your heart? Or does she feel like she's just something that you did one day, you know? Some, some wives feel like they're a mistake you made one day, you know, that if you could do it all over again, you wouldn't do it. Your wife shouldn't feel like that, right? As messed up as we can be, anybody here feel like Christ would change his mind on us? Because he's been emphatic about letting us know, I still choose you. I still want you. I love you with all your flaws. And so husbands are supposed to nourish. That's doing for her, but don't cherish her, that you would cherish her, that you would set her apart, that she would feel valued and special and desired, cherished to you. Think about the things that you cherish and how you show that, right? If you cherish, uh, there's a thing that you cherish, you know, watch a lot of car shows. I know there are men that can cherish. Cars can be something that men cherish. And when they cherish it, they wipe it down. They, they spend time with it. You know, some, some, some guys almost looks like worship, you know, so I'm not encouraging this, you know, but I've seen it because I, I deal in those realms. And so you got guys that, man, they just they, they wiping it down. They'll, any extra money they get, they're going to buy another little doodad and, and dingy bop for it. And, you know, they just want to I just want to I got a neighbor that will pull it out, wash it, start it. And just admire it in the front yard and then pull it back into the garage. I seen him do this. I kept waiting for it. I wanted to hear it go down the street. And I thought, maybe it doesn't run. And I asked him, I said, hey, is, it, is anything wrong with it? Does it run? He said, yeah, yeah, I just, I just wanted to, I just brought it out there. I just wanted to just admire it. I said, wow. I mean, you brought it out, washed it so you could just admire it, hear it, and then put it away. I said, that's, 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 that's a little, that's pretty much, you know. You, he cherishes that thing. Now, if that man cherishes his wife like that, Oh, she feeling like she's something. She, she, she feeling all right. We want to make sure we cherish them. Amen. And so moving on, verse 30, uh, he says, for we are members of his body and his flesh and of his bones. And just reminding us that, you know, God does this for the church, for we're members of him. We're members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. And he's getting ready to tell us that the same is true with you and your wife. You guys are members of one another. So when you treat your wife bad, it's like treating yourself bad. He said when you treat her good, it's like treating yourself good. When you treat her bad, it's like treating yourself bad. And wives, this goes both ways. You and your husband are part of each other. And he's going to tell us in just a moment. Look at verse 31. He quotes from Genesis 2, where God performed that first marriage there in the Garden of Eden. After he put Adam to sleep, you know, he told Adam in Genesis 2.18, it's not good. The man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Put him to sleep, took out his rib, fashioned the woman, brought them together. Adam saw her, called her woman, said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. God performed that first marriage there in the garden. And then God told them in chapter 224, he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Let me talk about the first part of this verse. He says, for this cause, the cause of marriage, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And this is one of the things that really hinders a lot of marriages from getting started well is families, family ties, family relations. And so it's interesting that the first command that went out for the marriage was to people that didn't have Adam didn't have no in-laws. Right. He made from the dust. And he didn't have a, a mother or a father for Adam to deal with because she was made from the rib. But God said every marriage after this, the longest standing human relationship possible with your parents. And so God says for this cause, the cause of marriage, a man shall leave his father, his mother and be joined to his wife. So let me say this. If you're going to leave your longest standing relationship with his father and mother, then it goes without saying cousin and friend and homeboy and relative and brother and sister that all of them get left. We had a wedding here yesterday and thus all the lights. It was 
it, it was beautiful. This is a this is a little residual from the beauty of yesterday. But you know, we said it in the wedding. We say, hey, you know, as the bride walked down, she passed her friends, she passed her family at the very end, and she joined her husband here at the altar. And that's a picture of what spiritually is happening. That all those relationships are taking a back seat. Friends fell back. Even mom and dad just fell back. This is now before the Lord, our primary human relationship. It is the most important human relationship once you get married. Now, I've known my parents longer, but God says now you guys are becoming one flesh. One of the things that will hinder you from becoming one flesh is not breaking those ties. And I want to explain what that looks like. It doesn't mean that I get married and somehow I dog out my mom and dad. You know, when I'm married, don't call me. I'll call you. You know, it don't mean that. Don't mean that we don't, you know, we disrespect them, that we don't love them and and, you know, still care for our family. It just means that up until this point, maybe as a woman, maybe you always let me call my dad. Let me call my mom about every single thing. And that's that's OK. You are single. that's I mean, that's who you got. Right. That's the longest dance person I know loves me and cares for me. And God said, now that you get married, I'm going to talk to him. Talk to him about that. And if you won't, if you're going to keep calling mom, you're going to have a more intimate relationship with your mom than your husband. And it's going to keep you from becoming one. Maybe you're the husband. Maybe you're mama's boy. And you call mommy about everything. Mommy, what do you think? Mommy, I love the way you make that chicken best. Mommy, mommy, would you, you know, I'm just, maybe you're that guy. You know, you call mom for everything and you make, or your dad or whoever. And God will say, now I'm giving you this woman. And you're like, well, I'm going to call my mom real quick. And you're calling your mom and you're, you're regarding them. One, you know, that's going to hinder your ability to become one here, right? If you're a young married couple, right? This is, I'm going to say this because it happens. Uh, I've seen it happen in my family, not my marriage, but in my family. If you're a, you're a young couple getting married, wife is, you know, not as she's younger than your mother. Here's what the mom has on the wife. She knows mom, pro- she ought to know by this age how to cook. You know, but if you, if you grown man getting married, your mom had had a whole lifetime to learn how to cook and feed you. She know what you like to eat, how to cook it the way you like it. All this. Now, your wife just getting started. She might just be buying her first little Betty Crocker cookbook trying to figure out how to make SpaghettiOs or whatever. You know, now this, this kind of stuff happens. So if you like it the way mommy makes it and your wife's trying to do her best, you got to let her grow in this. She'll get there before you know it. Um, but if you just say, I'm going to have my mom cook this. And, uh, and bring it home. I actually, I won't tell the story because it's, it's family members, but my mom actually cooked a meal for somebody in our family that was married. And she knew me, uh, you know, she knew the favorite meals to bring. And she took this meal to someone's wife, to his home of a wife that couldn't really cook. And, uh, and it was pretty disastrous, you know, how that all went down. I'm just saying that, you know, those ties, you, you got to kind of break, break them down. Say, hey, let me. I'm going to be with my wife and I'm going to talk to her about everything. And I'm going to talk to my husband about everything. You guys might agree together that, you know, maybe you and your wife talk about something. and You're like, you know, hey, my dad is really good at that. You know, wife says, and maybe your husband, well, you know, maybe I should hit him up. You guys may agree to reach out to a parent, but y'all talk about everything. This becomes your primary human relationship. Nobody's in front of you guys. You don't have a friend. So if you're if you got friends and you feel like I'm going to just share my heart with them. No. No, you share your heart right here. This is who you're going to connect with. This is your primary human relationship. You don't let anything get in front of this relationship now that you're married. If you want this to look the way God wants it to look, right? If you want this thing to be the way God wants it to be, you share everything together. You share every part of your life with this person. It it makes you vulnerable. It does. 
leaves you open. My wife knows everything about me. If somebody was going to hurt me, she is, she is better equipped anybody else alive to hurt me. But if somebody wants to bless me, she is better equipped than anybody alive to bless me. And I leave that with her. You know, I am as well. I'm better equipped than anybody else to do damage or do, do good to this because we've shared so much over so long. So we have to choose to do good with what's been shared. Amen. But I just want you to note the, the thing he says, for this reason, marriage, a man shall leave his father and mother. And so if you're married and your in-laws, you're, you know, if you're married and your parents, your siblings have too much pool, if in any way your family is interrupting your marriage, you're responsible for cutting that off. God said that's the first thing he said, you know, cut that umbilical cord. When a, when a baby comes out of the womb, they, they got to cut it, you know. And spiritually speaking, when you, you know, you get married, God says, now you got to cut that. That's just, and that's, I know it's been a supply, it's been supplying nutrients, maybe money or whatever else. Got to cut that. And then, you know, you got to start to eat on your own. You're going to be eating over here now. Um, you're going to be interacting over here now. So for this cause, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. And you guys agree about, you know, that's the discussion when I do premarital. We discuss how you guys going to handle the in-laws, how you guys going to do your first Christmas, how you guys going to do your first thing. Have you just have you thought of it? Because for all your life, you've done Christmas this way and she's done Christmas this way. And now y'all married. Where y'all going to do it at? Be good for y'all to discuss it. Y'all to be on one page. Y'all let them know how y'all going to do it. You know, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm married now. And so his family does it on Christmas Eve. So we're going to be there. Christmas Eve we will be over here on Christmas. God bless you. We'll see everybody then. How, you know, you, that's how it has to be. You know, you can't call and say, well, my mom wants me there. And, and his mom wants. No, y'all, y'all discuss that. Y'all figure it out. Y'all make the decisions and you let them know, because now everything comes from you guys. It's your decision. It's your life. It's your marriage. Y'all are going to become you're becoming one flesh. Family will get in the way. And they won't be saying sorry at the divorce court when your thing didn't work out. And God is telling you right here, don't let it be that way. Right. This this he commanding you to cut the ties and become one with this person. So, amen. OK, we'll go ahead and leave that be. All right. And then he says at the end of the verse says the two shall become one flesh. And just like, you know, we are part of the body of Christ, that as one of the miracles of marriage, that the two become one. Male and female, different, you know, different genders. Y'all know that's the only way this works. Amen. That's what y'all didn't know. So marriage is only between a male and a female. That's the only way marriage, only kind of marriage God honors. So if you're a dude and a dude, y'all ain't married. Um, y'all are something, but y'all ain't married. Or if you're a girl and a girl, so male and a male and a female um, that are in marriage, God says they actually, they become one. You become one person. You know, you're, you're two individuals, but you become one. And so then he says in verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And uh, here's a mystery. I, that word mystery means uh, something that was previously concealed that is now being revealed. He says, look, all this that I've just said to you guys, it's really I'm, I'm speaking also concerning Christ and the church. And so in the scriptures, when you look at marriage, God says look, the human marriage is a depiction or a picture of Christ and his relationship with the church. In the marriage, uh, as far as Christ and the church, Christ is the husband, the church is the bride. You look at all things he taught, the husband he dies for, he loves to the point sacrificially, he washes and nourishes and cares. God said, I do all that for the church. And then the church is the bride. What is the bride? She submits to the, the, the Lord. She submits to what he says. As a church of Jesus Christ, we submit to Jesus. Amen? 
We, we obey him. He's the Lord. We do what he says do. And so God says that's the relationship. He says now that picture is what I'm creating down here between a husband and a wife. And so we can mess the picture up pretty bad. Right. If I'm a husband and I'm unfaithful, I mess up the picture. Christ is not unfaithful. Right. If you're a wife and you're unsubmissive, you mess up the picture. The church is to be submissive to the Lord. And so consider your marriage, that it's a picture of Christ and your relationship with the church. I look at this in my household. My kids are looking at our picture. I mean, they're looking at it in great. They're looking at it in HD. My kids live in my home. They see every day. They see every interaction. They see every season. They see everything. What kind of picture are we painting? What kind of an image have I left them of what this thing looks like, what it's supposed to be? And every marriage here should consider that. You'll give, you're accountable for that. You're accountable for what you've depicted before your kids. First of all, I'm accountable to the Lord, but I am accountable. This is a picture of Christ, his relationship with the church. Have I loved my wife before my kids? Do they see that I love her? Do they see that I love her no matter what? Have I demonstrated that? Is she submitting and giving that example as well? What are we leaving them? And I don't think we just do it for our kids. We ultimately do it for the Lord, but it does matter the picture that you leave before your children. And anybody else is looking at your example. So now he says in verse 33, Nevertheless, so he says, he said he kind of broke it off to say, hey, I'm, this is a mystery. I'm also speaking concerning Christ in the church. He says, but nevertheless, and he brings it back to the practical. Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so here he said, let the, let the, the husband see that he loves his wife as himself. And I just want to ask every husband to consider this. Right? If you love your wife the way you love yourself, there are things that you just wouldn't do to her. Like, if I am love her like I love me. That means I'm only going to do to her what I would want done to me. So if you love your wife like you love yourself, would you be at work flirting with other women? No, because you wouldn't want her to do that. If you love your wife like you love yourself, would you cheat and be unfaithful? No, because you wouldn't want her doing that. If you love the wife, your, the wife the way you love yourself, it, it, should, it should impact how you treat her, how you speak to her, what you do for her. Love her like you love yourself. God already, you know, is, is really kind of put forth that we love ourselves. Then to the wife, he says a different word. Um, so far, he used the word, you know, he said to submit and be subject. But now he uses another word. He tells her to respect her husband. So he says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That word respect, if you look it up, it means to reverence, to venerate, to treat with deference or reverential obedience. And I want to read this to you guys out of the Amplified version. And so if you don't have that version of the Bible, you can look it up later. But I just I. I liked how it read out of the Amplified. This is verse 33 in the Amplified Bible. It says, however, let each man of you without exception love his wife as being in a sense his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him. And that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. I may put that on the card and give that out to you ladies, but, but the idea there is he's laying that out is that, you know, there be an esteem, there be in a respect, there be the way that you treat this man. And so I challenge the wives. How do you treat your husband? How do you speak to him? Does he feel like this woman respects me? She, she receives from me. She, she looks up to me because it, it really has to do with how you make him feel. You know, how do you respond to his leadership and, and everything else? Now, this is important. It doesn't say respect him if he's respectable, right? 
Because that's what some of y'all would. If he was respectable, I would. Hmm? I, I, know, I know somebody out there thought that. So um, it, it, it's, it's not, there's no qualifier on this, right? God didn't tell him to love you if you're lovely. Amen? Say it like you mean it, okay? He don't say respect him if he's respectable. And a week or so, we're going to see that God tells the children to obey their parents in the Lord. He don't say if they're honorable parents. He just says, this is, what, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is what I want. So respect him. Even, what if he's not respectable, right? God's respect him anyway. God commands you to honor your parents even if they're not honorable, right? It's, you, do this, you do this in obedience to the Lord. And what you'll find, though, is interesting that you find a woman that will honor a man. Um, you'd be amazed at what the Lord will do through that. You'd be amazed at how God will work through you and what you do. I, could, I can definitely say that I'm a better man because of the woman that I married, that her obedience to the Lord has made me a better man. Um, I'm better. The, the years that I've been married to her have made me a better man, not a worse man. Um, and I would credit that to her obedience to the Lord, her submitting to Christ, her doing it God's way. It's made me a better man. I haven't been at war with her for 20 years. We've been for 20 years. We've been we've been growing together. And there's a difference. We spent 20 years fighting. Nobody nobody wins in that. If you've been at war with your mate every year you spend at war, that's a year of no progress. Nobody progresses when y'all are at war. Um, it's when we both yield and submit and surrender that the Lord is working on her at times, working on me at times, and, and we're just both growing together. Neither of us were perfect when we started. Neither of us are perfect today, but we are both much better and much further along. And I believe if we continue to do it this way. Ten years from now, we'll be further along than we are now, but we both are invested in each other's forward motion, moving forward. So if you're in your marriage at war today, um, battling and fighting and going back and forth. What do you do? You know, how do you break that cycle? This may be for someone the most important thing I say today. And this is this is this is how it gets fixed. What do you do if that's the cycle and the trajectory that you're on? We battle, we war, we fight, and we're just not making progress. This is it. Somebody, somebody has to die. Somebody has to. Maybe both of y'all die, be great. But if somebody dies, then y'all can be reckoned. Somebody has to die to themselves. Die to, their, die to their wanting what they want. Die to their, die to themselves. And that might mean that you have to forgive someone that isn't, they haven't, but they're not doing better yet. Forgive me. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to leave room for God to work here. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to continue to be part of the issue. And so if one person says, you know what? I'm going to surrender to Christ to do it his way beginning now. God will work on behalf of that one person in that marriage. I told you guys last week, sometimes the reason why marriages can't move forward is you have two people waiting on the other person to do better. So that when you do right, I'll do right. And if you get two people doing that, that's how come you can go 20 years doing wrong. Because you're blaming it on him and he's blaming it on you. And God is looking at both of y'all saying, I told you, irregardless of how she is, this is what you're to do, man. And I told you, irregardless of what he's like, this is what you're to be like, woman. And neither one of you are obeying me. That's why your marriage is a mess. But if one person will submit to do it God's way, and I should say this because I know people that have submitted to do it God's way for a week. You know, I did that for a week and he's still the same, you know, or I did that for a week and she still didn't do her part or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. It's not for results. It's for worship. Right. It's not. I can't obey God. So my wife will. I got to obey God because Jesus is Lord of my life. Now, I hope that she will eventually, but I'm doing it because God said do it. And so 
maybe you're here and you know, you're part of why your marriage is rocky and messed up and you need to forgive, you need to repent, you need to do what God says do on your end. And so I would encourage you to do that. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Ephesians is full of relevant content that can be applied to us today. One of the biggest themes throughout Paul's New Testament letter is unity. We live in a culture that seems to love to disagree, but the Bible is very clear about seeking unity even when you disagree. Of course, this isn't always easy, but unity is a big part of who God is and what He desires for you. So the next time you disagree with someone, don't see them as an enemy. See them as a brother or sister in Christ and ask the Lord to soften your heart for that person. If you're struggling with this in your life, feel free to text or call us and we'll be more happy to pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website was CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians, and you won't want to miss it. So be sure to join us next time, right here on A Transforming Word.